Hey folks, in this episode, I get to sit down with Shannon Squires of the Shannon Squires Creative Academy. We're gonna be talking about post-processing. This is Twitter. Hey folks, welcome back to another episode of This Week in Photo. I'm your host, Frederick Van Johnson. Today on the hot seat, I have Shannon Squires. We're going to be talking about photography, as you might have assumed, but more importantly than that, I think, is the other side of the camera, the post-processing side of things, which when you see her work, you'll understand why I wanted to pick her brain about this. She's got it, got it down pat and has created some amazing imagery as a result of her skills in post-processing. Shannon, welcome to This Week in Photo. How's it going? It's going great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, um, it's a pleasure to be here and talking with you. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on. I mean, there's, yeah, I love talking with experts that are passionate about their work, um, but you got to have that passion and the skill to back it up, right? It's one thing to be, I just love photography and then, you know, but the other side of it is I love photography and I know how to capture the image. And then the third part of the equation is the post-processing side of it, which is, I'm assuming while you created the Academy, but we, <laughs> I want to, I want to, I want to talk about that before we dive into the whole post-processing side of the discussion for the, the folks that may not have heard of Shannon Squires, tell us, you know, a little bit about who you are and how you got started in this art form that is photography. Sure. Oh gosh. I mean, that's, I'll, I'll kind of give you the short version of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I actually started in high school with photography and back then we weren't, um, there wasn't digital photography quite yet. So I started actually on film photography um, in high school. And then I went to um, the Art Institute of Seattle where my first year was all film photography based. And then this, my second year, um, we started to dabble into digital photography. Um, I was so overwhelmed after school with all of the projects that I was just kind of drained of all creativity. So I took a break and I was a makeup artist for about six years or so. Mm -hmm. um, and then after a trip to Europe, I started to get inspired again. I picked my camera back up um, and then just kind of dove right into my business. Now, however, um, I had been out of it for long enough that the scene of photography had changed so much as well as the technology. Uh, Photoshop had changed a lot. Um, digital cameras had changed a lot. And so I essentially had to reteach myself everything. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. And so I, and so I did, I dove into Photoshop and I guess they say the rest is, the rest is history. Yeah. I would say, yeah, the rest is history and present, right? Cause you're still, you know, you're creating right now. And, and, you know, I want to, for the folks that are watching or listening to this on their morning commute or evening commute, um, I would encourage you to come check out the YouTube video and the blog post where we'll have some of Shannon's images posted because you have to see the images to kind of understand what, what we're talking about. Shannon, I want to bring up one of your pages here uh, on the site, um, your imagination gallery, I believe this is. And yeah, let's just start here, right? So we started, I started with, you know, a little bit of a tease about post-processing and retouching. That, that's putting you in a box, right? You, it's much more than that. You're a compositing artist, you're a retoucher, and as you just revealed, you have a history in makeup. So you understand contouring and all that stuff. Take us through what, like the, the, the genesis of one of these images that we're looking at on the screen here. Or do, they, do you start with a blank Photoshop document and just go? Or do you have a notepad of ideas that you start from? Like, how do you get going? 
Uh, you know, it's it kind it kind of comes in a lot of different ways. The ideas. Um, I do have a sketchbook where I put various. Oh goodness gracious! I am so sorry uh -oh. about that. Oh, there! I, I got an alarm on my phone. <laughs> I know that alert. Is that an oh, Amber alert? Oh, no, sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry. So, anyways, I actually had um, I, my ideas come from all sorts of places. My inspiration, you know. But I would say that the majority of where I started with compositing really started with my children. My children, mm. um, when I became a mother, and they started to get to the point where they had an imagination. Uh, they would come, they would present these ideas to me and they, so the one at the very top with my daughter and the lion, um, on the very back wall, there's a picture of her and the lion hanging on the back wall there. And that was my first ever composite because she at three years old came into my office and said, mom, there's a lion in our hallway and he's going to eat us. And so this, mm. I'm horrible about writing things down. Um, but I wanted to remember it. And so I, I turned it into a picture. And so I would say a lot of my creativity and my inspiration come from the, my children, but children in general, general, and their, their, um, their just natural ability to believe in possibility. Um, it, we, they haven't been told reality yet. Right. And so they yeah. still have this, this imagination that is just so beautiful. Um, so song lyrics, color combinations, sometimes um, just the thought of, really anything, any, any storytelling. And so I'll write it down in my sketchbook or sketch it up my sketchbook, I guess I should say. And then slowly I start to kind of bring it together. As far as like the foundation of it goes, it usually starts with opening up a new document in Photoshop um, after photographing my subject um, and then slowly kind of massaging the pieces in place, perspective, color-wise, um, until you get kind of what you see here. This is great. This is great. There's so many different ways to approach a conversation like this because Photoshop is this multi-headed hydra, right? That can do all yeah. these different things and none of them are incorrect, right? So depending yes. on how you approach it. But I want to I want to chat about you mentioned sort of the evolution of Photoshop and how you know, when you when you re-engage with the software is much different, you have know, to sort of relearn a little bit. Where where do you think or what do you, as a as a high level compositing artist, are you thrilled by the the new AI tools that we have in Photoshop, like like image like background replacement, sky replacement, extraction tools, all these things? Do they make you a better artist and let you get to the end result faster, or do you feel um, like they're taking away some of the process? Oh, you know, it, that's a that's a really good question because I am not really I'm kind of a creature of habit, and so I'm not really one to go and run to the updates to be honest with you um my husband's a tech guy and so he's usually the one that sneaks into my office and does all the updates for me <laughs> um and so i would i i don't nerd out on the new updates or anything like that because like i said i'm a little bit of a creature of habit everything i do is all hand edited and i think there is something artistic um about not relying on those quick buttons to do the things for me. I, I really love to do um, a lot of the stuff by hand. And so, yeah, I mean, it, is it ruining the process a little bit? I, you know, that's, that's hard to say because I haven't actually dove into background replacement or anything like that um, as far as those buttons go. Um, but I, I tend to do things the hard way because I love the results and mm -hmm. I love um, giving it my all as an artist.
What is that when you're when you say doing things by hand in Photoshop? Obviously, you know it's still a computer, so you're getting in there doing it not the automated way, right? What does that look like for you? For example, you know, I'll bring up I'll bring up that page again. Um, one of these images, for example, say this image here, which is outstanding. Um, for the folks that are listening, this is an image of a, uh, what looks like a young boy with his dog, looks like a beagle standing on top of a suitcase on a runway with a with a, a World War II aircraft flying above, and he's got a red scarf blowing in the wind. A composite, I'm guessing, right? But yes. what's your process for doing this? Did you, like, are all the elements photographed by Shannon Squires separately and then you bring them in together? Or did you actually go to a runway and capture the child on the runway? I'm guessing this is maybe your son. Like, how how did yes. this one come together? So this one is interesting. Um, I was actually asked to speak for a group online because it was this was one of my COVID creations, basically. Um, <laughs> and so... When I photographed my son, this was just still in my basement. Um, so he is my son. And I just photographed. He's the only thing that I photographed. He had the hat and the coat and the pants and the shoes. And everything else was a digital element that I brought into this image. Um, because, I mean, we were still in lockdown at that point. So I was presenting this to people, um, a class out actually out in California online. And it just kind of came to life. So as far as like doing hand edits and stuff go, um, I do work on a Wacom tablet. Um, and I, so I use my, my pen to do all of my editing, which allows me to have a little bit more control over everything. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it just was a matter of taking all the individual little pieces. And when I say hand edits, I don't use any actions. I, all of the color corrections, everything that you see there, um, there's no, um, uh, plugins or, um, anything. All of it was done by hand to kind of make, to bring this image together. Wow. So you're please tell me that you are not going in there with the pen tool. Are you a pen tool Bezier path person? I'm not. I'm not. So when I am actually doing uh, cutting out my subjects, I do. I use the quick select tool um, okay. and then I will kind of refine the edges a little bit. And then I add the quick mask to it um, where it kind of pops up on the red screen. And then I'll go in real close and kind of cut out all the little pieces. Um, I find that when I'm doing compositing, if you don't have a good cutout, you're kind of starting off in the negative <laughs> before yeah. you even get started. So it really kind of comes down to having a really good cut on all of your different elements. And how, how are you, how are you, you know, looking at these shots, clearly you understand light and shadow and, you know, the second shadow to ground the subject to the surface that they're on and all that. Was that learned or was yeah. it like, did you, did you just automatically not do that? Or did you over time kind of figure out, okay, this is how I make this shot look more realistic. Let me apply what I learned on this one to the next one. And then, you know, sort of follow that iterative process. You know, I had a really good grasp on compositing just because I, I was a pencil artist growing up. Mm. And so I knew shadows really well. Uh, my 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 dad is a pencil artist. My great grandfather is a painter. And so I, I knew the idea of shadows, um, even maybe even a little bit subconsciously. I think I knew shadows really well. Um, and then ob obviously contouring people's face and makeup really all that is is a matter of shadowing things right to um to give a certain look to the face or you know change the structure of a face really um and so really uh i, I had a good grasp on that but at some point i stopped and i said you know what i want to be better 
Mm-hmm. And so I reached out to my good friend and mentor, Richard Sturdivant, and he's phenomenal. He's been doing awesome things for decades now. And um, when I reached out to him, I basically said, I said, you know, I already do this. I already teach what I'm doing. However, I want to be better. I need to be challenged. And I said, I'm, I'm looking for a Mr. Miyagi. Become my Mr. Miyagi. He's probably my biggest cheerleader, uh, you know, aside from my family. And so I just, I'm, I'm not sure I would be the artist I am now without him pushing me to like that next level. And I wonder, I wonder about that for the, the photographers that are looking at your work and they're like, you know, I aspire, I'm one of them, right? I aspire to be working at that level and creating that, that caliber of work. Um, how do I do it? Right. Do I listening to this interview? Should I take some courses on pencil sketching to kind of get a grounding in that and then maybe follow that with some cosmetology courses to understand (laughs) makeup a little bit better and then take that into my photography? I've thought about that, actually. I've thought about to better understand makeup art, you know, and makeup artists and how to communicate with them and what's possible and what's not possible. Wouldn't it be great for photographers, portrait and fashion photographers to take a self elective, right? And go through that course to understand it. Or do you think this is that overkill? I don't know. You know, I think that anything that any, any way that you can learn, um, and it's just going to add to what you do. Makeup artistry just happened to be part of my story. Sketching was part of my story to get, you know, from the beginning. Um, I don't think you have to have those things, but I do think that there's something to be said about having some other form of tangible art outside of photography and also Photoshop that really, um, adds to your style and your technique as, as an artist. Um, it, it doesn't hurt, you know, and I always tell everybody, I'm like, you'll never, you'll never stop learning. I hope I never stop aspiring to grow, to learn new things. Even if it's something that I never plan to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I took a landscape course with one of my good friends here in Colorado, more so just so I could understand what he does on a regular basis, not necessarily because I want to go out and start doing my own landscapes. Um, you know, never say never. However, I just, it's just not where I'm at right now. But I wanted that knowledge. I wanted I wanted to understand what he does and how he does it, just so I have that kind of in the back of my brain. Um, but anytime you're learning and expanding your art, you're, it's just going to help add to what you do and yeah. how you become your own unique artist. And think, thinking outside of the box, yeah, that's that's a really good tip because yeah. I, I think a lot of people will think, yeah. I'm never going to take a real estate photography course or an architectural photography course because I don't want to play in that genre. I play over here. So why not just take courses in that genre? But you're right. It's all light, right? It's all interplay of light and shadow and, you know, filling in little blanks in your knowledge never hurt anybody, I think. You know, um, I want to dive back into your work a little bit. Here's a shot that I'm looking at, this Mad Hatter shot, yeah. uh, which is really fun. I love the color palette. I love the expression. I love the concept of the shot. Really, really well executed. Can you take us through a little bit how a shot like this comes comes from your mind to me looking <laughs> at it right here? <laughs> That's a dangerous place to start, I think. <laughs> My mind, right? Um, yeah. You know, I don't, I don't actually even know. I had, so I had this little girl, I work with a lot of child models in general. Um, and that kind of started when I went, when I lived in California, 
Um, there's a lot of child models out there that are always eager to kind of keep their portfolios going, their social media going. Uh, so this is actually, this girl is here in Colorado and she came to my studio and I think I did have this concept in mind when we shot it. Um, her dress was red and so I wanted to kind of make it a little bit more matching in, in color harmony, I guess. The red was just a little bit too much for me so I shifted to the color there. Um, you know, and I'm, I, I don't, when I posed her like that with the hand up by the face, I don't think I planned to put the clock there even, um, but I knew that I wanted her to hold something. Um, and I wasn't sure exactly how it would all eventually come together. And I think the idea actually started with the the top hat, which she, she I have in my studio. It's actually pink. Um, and then it just kind of developed from there. And that's part of, you know, the storytelling process. Obviously this is Alice in Wonderland. It's a very well-loved, a story um it's it's been done many times but it was it was just so much fun because there's i think people love to grasp onto the the imaginative and the whimsy and that's why we love alice in wonderland so much right yeah um and so getting to do this and challenge myself with all the different elements whether it be you know the fur on the mouse or the liquid pouring out of the teacups um and the metallics and all the different textures that you're dealing with. It was a lot of fun to, to piece together and challenge myself. So this was actually ended up being um, a competition piece that I used for professional photographers of America. Oh, wow. And how did this place? Uh, it did really well. I don't remember how, I don't think it actually placed, but they did actually put it into the professional photographers of America magazine, um, use it in a multiple ads and it did what, what we call a, it loaned or it went, image excellence, um, mm -hmm. which is the highest it can go without moving into the awards categories. So it did, it did really well. Wow. That Congratulations. <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah. That's gotta be a good feeling. Yeah. Anna, when you, when you create a shot like this, Shannon, do you like the, the model with the hat on and all the, the different bits are added in there, like the clock, et cetera. Um, I'm guessing the rat was added in there later too, <laughs> but, <Right. Yeah. laughs> but, but uh, are you photographing the, the subject on a gray background, white, green, like how do you, how do you make your life easier in the photographic process for the, the future you that needs to get be in the computer compositing? Yeah, I'm fairly certain I take the long way around on everything, but um, this one actually was shot on gray. Okay. Yeah. So um, I don't usually use a green screen. To be honest with you, I never, I never really have. But the way that Photoshop works now, and just its ability to um, cut, it's just so efficient with cutting things out. I just don't think that I, I need to worry about great green screen. Yeah. Um, now I will shoot on white or gray, depending on what the end result is. So if I'm shooting on white, it's going to tend to have um, a little bit more of a white um, haloing almost around it. Um, and sometimes you can use that to your advantage when you're cutting things out. Um, but I would say 9.9 9 times out of 10, I always use gray. Always gray. Cool. Yeah. Very cool. So many questions and, you know, just a, a slight segue because I have so many questions like I kind of we foreshadowed this at the beginning of the discussion. You have a course out on your process and how you do all this stuff. Can you talk a little bit about that and why you created it? I'm going to get a commercial, but I think it's important because I want to take that course and learn how to do this. Sure. Yeah. So, you know, I like I said, I've been teaching um, what I do for 
gosh, I don't even know how many years at, at this point. Um, and I created the Creative Academy because I wanted to be able to teach people what I do and have it, you know, people that wanted to come and learn spe from specifically me. Um, I had a place that I could kind of invest and give them give them my all with no limitations right i get to call the shots because it's my it's my my place <laughs> yeah. so on my creative academy there's multiple things there's everything so master classes are going to be kind of an all-inclusive um master class where i start with photographing a, a subject and you see me in the studio i had professional videographers come to my studio and record the process and then you see me move into photoshop where i kind of polish everything off um, and usually, well, and actually included in within these master classes, there's always an element that you get for free. So in in, in there, the product that they get is um, they get um, a lighting guide, but they also get some of my digital backdrops that I included as well. This particular um, image was featured, and this was not necessarily Her the name plan. Shannon but, Squires uh, the children's final. <laughs> that go. particular image. Um, with the girl in this one, she, it was, I created it and I entered it into print competition and it actually went all the way to the World Photographic Cup, which is essentially the Olympics of photography. And it got, it got to represent Team USA, um, which is fantastic and a huge honor in and of itself. So what's so cool about that particular masterclass is you actually get to see me create from start to finish an award-winning nationally, internationally recognized image. That's fantastic. Yeah. That so, is really cool. That uh, shot right there. Okay, so we're looking at the beginning from concept to creation of something that left your studio and then went on to to garner garner accolades from the unsuspecting judging public. Look at that. That is beautiful. You just kind of pulled back the veil completely and you get to see there's no mystery there. You just get to see everything. Wow, that is amazing. Okay, cool. So take the course. How much does that course cost for the, uh, the academy? So <laughs> so there's a couple of different options that you have if you wanted to dive into just the master classes those are um, 350 um, mm -hmm. however I just started a new membership as well where there's a new um, video that gets released every single month um, mm -hmm. I actually not even video I should say course because they are courses um, with multiple videos each month um, and you can sign up for a semester so three months or you can sign up for a full year uh, the videos will expire and the reason I set it up that way is because there's so many places out there, so many opportunities for you to learn, and so many people just get the videos, they toss them into a hard drive somewhere, and they mm -hmm. never see the light of day again. So what I wanted is to have a sense of accountability for everybody that's signing up so that they could know that they're on a little bit of a time limit um, to come in, learn as much as they can, and leave the semester a, a new artist, essentially. So the way I describe it is, you, you know, you sign up for a university or, a, or a, um, a college, and you sign up for a semester, you have these classes, you have a set homework that you're supposed to do to make sure that you learn from your instructor, um, and when you get done with that, that semester, like I said, you're a better artist. So it holds you accountable. So I always tell people, if you're not ready to sign up now, if time is just not for you, then I would wait till the next month or when you are available to really dive in and invest in yourself and invest in your art. Yeah, you hit it right on the head, right? Because we, we see those various programs that happen throughout the year, the different bundle deals and all that, where you get all this training and education, and then it, it ends up sitting on your hard drive making fun of you and making you feel bad for the rest of the year after you bought it because you don't have time to get to the mountain of stuff that you just bought, right? That's true. I, yeah. I, I'm guilty myself. 
I yeah, know I that are just kind of sitting there somewhere. So <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. I've got, I've got, you know, I'm sure several hard drives back there full of stuff that needs to get from there into here. Right. And I think putting, putting that scarcity trigger on there, you know, that timer pushes sure. them over the edge is yeah, a really, really good way to think about it. Um, you know, as we wrap up here, just a couple of things I'll be, I'll be, you know, they'll come after me if I don't ask the questions about gear and all that stuff. So <laughs> what, what are you shooting with? You know, what, what camera and what's your favorite camera lens combination and all those good things. So when I'm working in my studio, I'm blessed to have enough space that I am shooting with my 70 to 200. And currently I'm on a, a Canon 5D Mark IV. Um, I have a uh, R5 on its way to me right now. Um, and I'm really looking forward that, to that. However, I have loved my Canon 5D IV. It has been such a workhorse. And I think I'm only doing the R5 because it just seems like the next natural step. <laughs> in yeah. an upgrade, my, my 5D is still chugging along great. My, I love that one. Um, but yeah, and when, when I'm shooting outdoors, I actually use my, um, 200 prime lens. Uh, oh. I love that one. I love the bokeh that it gives. Um, on occasion, I will use a wide angle at my 24 to 70 because we do have such awesome scenery here in, in Colorado. Oh. Um, but those are kind of my go-tos. That's cool. Yeah, I'm curious. The zoom lens in the studio, most, not most, a lot of photographers that I talk to, if I ask them that question, like if you're a studio photographer, what what is your favorite lens, camera lens combination? Almost without fail, there's either a, a 50 in there or an 85, yeah. you know, both fast, you know, 1.8, 1.2 or something. Why did you make the choice to use a 7200 in the studio? Um, you know, it's just, I love, I love the 7200 when I first got it and I was shooting mostly outdoors, it was just a game changer for me. Um, and I just, I love the look of it. I love, um, you know, I'm not even sure, but so when I, when I'm shooting in studio, I don't shoot, you know, at 2.8, um, currently I did recently get some, um, constant lights and I'm going to play with, you know, a little bit more shallow depth in studio. Um, and I think I do like it for its low light capabilities. However, I just think I have always just held that in my hands. I've never liked the 50, to be honest with you. Mm. I never had great luck with my fifties. I do love my 85. So on occasion I will, you know, bring that out, but it, <laughs> it, it just, it feels different in my hands. And so I just, I've always liked the look of my 70 to 200. Yeah, yeah, that's it's fair. I mean, it's a it's the right tool for the right job for the right person, right? Yeah, it's very situational and subjective. Um, and then the other side of that coin, of course, and we talked about this a little bit. Of obviously, Photoshop is in your post processing stack. Any other tools that you're using that you that you know you would take with you to a desert island if you had to retouch a bunch of photos out there? <laughs> um, you know, if we're talking about compositing, the only other thing I, I would say that I would need on a desert island is Pixel Squid. I love mm. Pixel Squid. If you haven't heard of Pixel Squid, it is a really great, it is a plugin, um, but it's not for editing necessarily. It actually has 3D renderings of various objects that, you know, they had pieced together. Mm. And you can actually put those into your um, image in Photoshop and adjust the the perspective on it and tilt them every different which way. So if you haven't seen Pixel Squid, it's it's a pretty cool little tool to use if you are compositing. Oh, that's interesting. I got to check that out. So with here's a question. I know I'm sure I could just look on their website, but does it do if I can if I say, you know what, like your Mad Hatter shot, right? I want to I want a cup of tea uh, and I, I want to render that out. Can I render also the animation of the wisps of smoke coming out of that tea? or only yeah. the still image? 
So you can do, oh gosh, there's so many things. They have um, smoke or steam or, uh, I mean, they have, there's so many things in Pixel Squid um, and you can tilt it and turn it every which way and, and place it into your image. Now there's going to be a fair amount of work that you are going to have to do to make it look a little bit more on the realistic side. Um, but it's a really great start to kind of, to get um, from point A to B, but, um, no, it's a, I mean, it's a pretty cool little plugin and it's kind of mind blowing when you put it, put it in there. Now you do have to kind of finesse it just a little bit because they don't always have, um, like fine turns necessarily. So the perspective can be off just a little bit cause it'll, it kind of jumps from one view to another, but there's like these micro turns in between that they don't necessarily have. Um, but it is, it's a pretty cool program. If you composite, you should definitely check it out. I'm buying it. Yeah, that's yeah. it. I'm yeah. buying it. That, that, that sounds really interesting because I, I think a lot of compositors, and you tell me you're more of a compositor than I am. Um, I'm, a, I'm a compositor that is dangerous, right? I know enough about it to, to, to make a mess. Uh, but, you know, even with that limited experience in compositing, the one of the things that I found, like if you, you have this great idea that you want to do this and it's got to have this in it and this or whatever, then you got to find either go shoot or find the images you know, on stock photography sites and license them or otherwise get possession of them to incorporate into your work, uh, you can't always find the right thing, right? So I need a teacup that's just like this, that has this. If I could just be able to render that out at the exact angle and then bring that in and finish it, that is pretty dang cool. And that's it what is. Pixel Squid does, I'm guessing. Yeah, Pixel Squid. So I'll go, I'll go back and forth between Pixel Squid and, and Shutterstock to find exactly what I need. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> all right. So with all this stuff you have going on, you're, you're, you know, obviously actively shooting, you've got the, 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 uh, the course going on where people can, you know, get knowledge from your brain that way. What about in-person stuff? I'm looking on your website now. It looks like you have a, a workshop. Is that still active? The photograph to embellishment workshop? Yeah, so that's Richard Sturdivant. He is, like I said, my mentor. And what we're doing is this coming, gosh, no, next weekend, not this weekend, next weekend, we are teaching a class in my studio uh, here in Colorado Springs. And basically what it is, is we'll start by doing um, some editing and prepping images to be embellished. And, and like I said before, you know, it, when, anytime you're investing yourself into some sort of a tangible art, it's just going to help you in the long run as a photographer in your, in your digital art. So we will be printing all of these um, printing prints after we edit them and then um, hand embellishing them with different acrylics, pastels, um, color pencils, lacquers. Uh, and it's just kind of a nice way to end, um, polish off an image after you've created, you know, this art for your, for your clients mm -hmm. and have it be a truly unique one of a kind piece that you hand touched and hand finished for them. So cool. So cool. All right. And that's coming up. That's next weekend, right? That's next weekend. Yeah. Yeah. But I'll be also, um, you know, teaching for West Coast School in North Carolina. I'll be teaching at Focus Convention in uh, Florida. I'll also be teaching at SYNC. And you might see me at a few other PPA events. You are all over the place. That's crazy. I'm place. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of. I am all over the place. <laughs> are you are you traveling now that the, the world is starting to thaw, then freeze, then thaw, then freeze? Are you out or are you still doing things remotely? I am out. I am. I actually just got done teaching a full week class at Texas school. Um, so, yeah, life is life is 
going. <laughs> that is cool. That's cool. Yeah. We'll steam ahead now. No, yeah, I hear you right here. It's back at you. Um, the uh, there's so much to talk about. We could do. We we'll have to do a part two and a part three of this because I have a list of questions I got to. I got through a couple of them because there's so much <laughs> to dive in with you. Um, but if people want to check out the work, they want to go follow you. They want to you know sign up for the academy or maybe if they're if they're in the local area when this publishes, go to the workshop. Where's the best place for them to go to connect with you and all the things that you're doing? So I guess the main page would be my Shannon Squires Photography website would be a really great place to start. If you're looking for the Creative Academy, you can even access the Creative Academy through my Shannon Squires Photography website. In addition to reaching out to me directly, um, that's a great way to connect. I also have a Facebook group, Shannon Squires Creative Academy, um, for a lot of people who are in my um, academy already and learning. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can find me all over the place. but my website would be a really great place to start. Yeah, and we'll, we'll link to everything in the, the description for this video as well as in the blog post where, where this video will live. Shannon, thank you for coming on. Appreciate you. Thanks for taking the time. Uh, you know, this was this was worth the wait because I flubbed a couple of our meetings before and now we're finally on doing the interview yes. and oh, good things come, good things come, right, to those who wait. So. Yep. That well, is so true. Absolutely. It's it's a pleasure and I appreciate your patience with me as well and my alarm that went off. So <laughs> <laughs> no, they'll never know. Trust me. All right, Zed, you have a good rest of your week and have a great weekend. All right, you too. Thank you. This is Twitter.